a technical glitch. I want to apologize for the remote control for the PowerPoint seems not to be working well. So I'll be trapped up here more than I usually am want to be in, in uh, situations like this. Um, it's a, quite a challenge to figure out how to present, how to walk you through, let me put it that way, Amsterdam in 1599. And in a moment, you'll see why. But the first thing I wanted to do is ask how many people have, have actually, in this room, been to Amsterdam? OK. I, I figured it would be quite a few. Of those who have not, how many have some idea in the imagination of what Amsterdam looks like or looked like? A few? OK, good, good. Um, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Amsterdam? Rijksmuseum. She's a smart mouth. <laughs> Canals. OK, OK. I should have known that she raised trouble. OK. This is how Amsterdam looks today. OK, this is not 1599, but 1999, let's say. OK. Um, a city of many, many canals. Um, I, I'll show another slide to orient people later on, but this is the central train station. This is the oldest part of town. You're going to see more about that in a, in a couple minutes. The Rijksmuseum is not even on this map. This, uh, the Rijksmuseum is down here somewhere. Um, and when you think of those canals, they come in so many moods. You have your, your contemplative canal images in mind, or festive canal images. I always like how the weather is so nice in these, in these pictures. Um, you have your romantic slipping into evening canals. And perhaps a little less romantic, but still looking pretty good, is the red light district along the canals. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely scene to contemplate. And actually, uh, one of my favorite shots of Amsterdam is this postcard from the 1960s. And I particularly like, uh, of course, there are the, the uh, Volkswagen Beetles lined up like uh, <laughs> little army figures along the side. But it's so splendidly enhanced. You know, it's so, we think today that you need Photoshop to, uh, to alter pictures. But, um, you know, if the Dutch had had skies like this their whole life long, there would have been no trade, no industry, no anything going on in the Netherlands. Uh, so the sky is so blue, the water is so clean and sparkling. Look how it sparkles off the perfectly white boat. If a tourist is thirsty, just dip in your glass and drink, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I just I adore it. And by the way, this is the, this is the uh, seal of Amsterdam, which um, has often been related to the cross of St. Anthony, which was the symbol of the House of Burgundy. But it seems much more likely that that is a kind of reverse mythification. Because what really made Amsterdam, in the years we're going to be looking at, is the windmill. And this is the ubiquitous sign of the windmill in Amsterdam. All right. But what did beautiful Amsterdam look like in 1599? Pretty much like this, OK? Now, this is not a picture of Amsterdam in 1599. It's one of the peculiarities of the moment in Amsterdam that there's not a lot of art depicting Amsterdam in 1599. This is actually San Francisco in 1859, OK? 
And I'm showing it to give you an idea of the boomtown mentality, but also the boomtown muck of Amsterdam in 1599, okay? It was built on a mud bank. It shouldn't have been there in the first place. This town was overwhelmed with uh, people seeking money and asylum. The uh, streets were largely in chaos, and the town flooded all the time, okay? So just to give you an idea, this is not, I'm not going to walk you through this city because I didn't ask you to bring your hip boots, okay? But I am going to walk you through uh, some sites that will tell us something about Amsterdam at the time, and also I'm going to walk you through a bit of the mindset of Amsterdam, and I think that that is very, very important. Um, this whole initiative is called Moments of Change, and this was a moment of tremendous change for uh, Amsterdam. Um, actually, I was going to start with this map, a map of Renaissance Europe that I often put up uh, to show people. And as I looked at it, I said, okay, great. Uh, we've got London. We've got, um, we've got, we don't even have Florence, okay? And moreover, we don't have, what is, do we? Oh, yes, there's Florence, yes. And most of all, we don't have Amsterdam. This is what Amsterdam looked like in the Renaissance imagination of Europe, okay? They were aware of its existence, but it didn't mean enough to get on the map, all right? Um, so we've sort of set the, the tenor there. Um, right, this is indeed a map, of, of, a plan, a view of Amsterdam in about 1500. And we're looking at this area right here of Amsterdam. And um, I want, it's a, a built along the two sides of the Amstel River, which was dammed, which created the name Amstel Dam, Amsterdam. Um, and just to orient people who do have a tourist familiarity with the town, what I'm talking about is the area right around here. Um, and the Rijksmuseum Museum is over here for for those of you who associate that most with the city of Amsterdam. All right. Now, I want to go back to take a look at this. As I say, it had no excuse for being a city in the first place. It was built up on some mud banks beside a river. There wasn't enough room, really, to build buildings. The whole city, in effect, has been created out of mud, out of nothing. It's a, a, it's a man-made city, okay? a person-made city. Um, because it was a mud bank, the feudal lords of Europe weren't particularly interested in it because they wanted land. They wanted land that could produce. And so Amsterdam really had nothing to offer them. So Amsterdam grew up, in some ways, rather bossless. Okay? And what that meant was that those people who did settle there and go about their business learned how to do things for themselves learned how, in effect, to govern themselves. They had to defend themselves from the Vikings, for instance. And this gave them a certain attitude of independence and a certain habit of, of collective decision-making, okay? All right, Amsterdam circa 1500 with a population of about 10,000. What was the population of London, 1500? 1599, 120,000, 1500, probably 60,000, 70,000. Florence, 50,000? 50,000, okay. 10,000, that's why it doesn't show up on the maps, people. Um, a, a town of 10,000 can't support a bunch of artists to put 
a town on the, on the Renaissance map. Um, so that was the situation. But the 1500s became a bit prosperous. The, the city was doing well. More people were coming. Um, Amsterdam had discovered its true source of wealth, and that was wind and water. Okay, wind and water. The same thing that made the feudal lords not interested gave Amsterdam a huge advantage when it came to not producing things, not bringing its own metals out of the ground, but developing a service industry of transporting goods around, particularly Europe, and within the time frame of this, uh, this course, around the world. Okay? Um, it also developed uh, the storehouse mentality, warehouse mentality. And in the 16th century, Amsterdam built quite a few warehouses. We do much more of this in the, in the 17th century. 16th century, they built their first ones. With the attitude, buy low, store at home, sell high, right? And uh, that's still a, a very important tenet of business around the world. They also developed a very fast boat called a flout which was a lot lighter than other boats of its size, and in fact, bigger than most other boats, and could be run by the wind with 10 sailors rather than the 30 that it took larger, more cumbersome ships. Um, the other advantage they had over Venice, say, is that Venice doesn't have a lot of wind around it, and so the, uh, the great maritime community of Venice had to rely in many ways on ore power which was uh, people-powered, slave-powered, um, uh, very expensive and very burdensome. So it had advantages. It was growing. So um, we go from Amsterdam about uh, 1500 to Amsterdam about 1599. There it is. Okay. <laughs> and its population is 60,000. Now... There is some new building. Obviously, all those people aren't going to be able to, to squeeze in exactly the same space, but the city walls are in the same place, all right? What has happened is that a lot of people have settled in a squatter's community illegally outside the walls in makeshift buildings. And believe me, that looked like the muck I showed you from San Francisco. Um, and also, in the 1500s, a goodly amount of this area got settled. Um, mainly with Jews who were fleeing persecution. Uh, Linda mentioned the, the uh, uh, Muslims being uh, persecuted in this, in this era, but Jews, too, were driven out of many parts of Europe and ended up, for, in a large part, in Amsterdam, which is quite a tolerant, quite a tolerant place. Um, why had it grown so much so quickly? Well, one of the main reasons was war, or the two main reasons were war and religion, okay? Tout ça change. Um, the Catholic Habsburgs, who were the nominal rulers of the larger Netherlands, had created such opposition through uh, repression, particularly of the growing ranks of Protestants in the Netherlands, that this led to warfare in 1567. And people fled the southern Netherlands for the north. The southern Netherlands, the region of Antwerp, had been the area of most population and of most 
economic success. And in 1567, when the Spanish invaded the Southern Netherlands, many people from the, from the Southern Netherlands fled north. The other aspect of that was in 1585, when the Spanish finally won Antwerp for good and reinstituted Catholic rule there, they demanded that all the Protestants leave within three years. And the Protestants left, and a lot of the business people left too, because they knew that this was not good for business. Amsterdam was a much more tolerant place. It was growing, and so it attracted many, 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 many people. It was a city of many immigrants. I think the, the statistic is in 1614, 73% of the people getting married in Amsterdam had been born somewhere else. Okay, It was an immigrant city, and it was bustling. All right. Um, so in many ways, uh, and, and it was only a few years later that the city was able officially to grow, and it almost sounds like too much of a morality tale, but that's because there was a truce that was called, so the war stopped temporarily, and there was tolerance. Okay. Um, so I would say that, that Amsterdam as we know it, the Golden Age Amsterdam, was very much conceived by or in 1599, but it wasn't going to be born until a few years later. And when it was born, it was planned very well, and the city started digging canals. This is a, a de description of the, of the uh, enlargement of the city based on the 1612 plan to make it bigger. And this area where all those squatters' homes had been was turned into a couple of canals with beautiful houses for rich merchants on them. And all the workers were moved to this little area called the Jordan. Okay? Um, and this is probably what the city looked like in about 1620, but it was in the 16-teens that it started building up. But we haven't gotten there, there yet. And there weren't many people, weren't many artists making pictures of it yet. We do have some idea of what it looked like. The buildings did not look like this. These were built to line the, the fancy canals later on. They looked like this, modest wooden buildings. Uh, there's actually one of them left, only one, in the whole city of Amsterdam. Uh, so this gives you an idea of what those, those buildings, those homes looked like. There were windmills everywhere. And that's because the windmills, among other things, were they weren't only grinding grain and doing things like that, but they were actually creating land. And I'm going to show you how that works in a minute. The, the whole area was ringed with windmills. There, of course, was a lot of water and a lot of boats, ubiquitous imagery of the sea around Amsterdam. And a bustling city square. This is the old city hall. Many of you are familiar with the new one, which was built in 1565, which is now the Royal Palace. This is the old city hall, the old uh, way station, the old way house. And the river Amstel at that point came straight down to the dam. And so uh, it's as if you had boats lining the street that went up to the, uh, to the central station today. It was a, it was a working river. Um, lots, of, uh, lots, of, lots of bustling commerce. But now I want to talk about the self-image of Amsterdam, because the self-image was a lot more robust in some ways than the physical Amsterdam was at this point. This is an image, a very popular map in the Netherlands, of the Netherlands in this period, 
as a raging lion. The lion was the symbol of the Netherlands. And this is a lion raging up against the Spanish uh, repression, okay, the Spanish tyranny, uh, very much in the self-image of the town of, of Amsterdam to be part of this, this fight. And not only was it proud of its, its background of fighting this, the biggest empire around at the time, but also there's a, there's a neologism that's come up. Linda could probably tell me exactly the moment uh, that's very uh, widely used now, which is Renaissance self-fashioning, 1984. 1984, okay. Well, it's used metaphorically, but in the case of Amsterdam and Holland, it was literal because here's the map today of this area. This is the map of the area just north of Amsterdam in about 1580, 1590. This is a, an aerial shot of it today. At this point, the Netherlanders started making their own land. They built their own land. And if you can imagine what it feels like to be living on a land that you not only uh, tend and, and work with, but that you have actually created. The sense of pride of ownership in that is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, just a couple more. Uh, just a little bit more on the self-image. You see the, this, uh, this is a propaganda print from the time. Uh, this is the, the lion of uh, the Netherlands or of Amsterdam protecting the garden of the Netherlands, and it's, it, the caption for it was, stop rooting in my garden, Spanish pigs. <laughs> and the, uh, you see that the, that the Spanish, for various reasons, the, the, the heroes of the Netherlands were called something, had a, a name like geese. And uh, you see geese are carrying away a pig, and the geese have hung up a number of pigs. And uh, in an oddly, however, um, sort of self-undermining uh, bit, I think. This is a very sad looking, and I have a lot of sympathy for this poor sow who's having to cart her, her children around. Um, at any rate, uh, the other part of its self-image has to do with uh, trade. This is a box top made out of mother of pearl from 1596 showing two uh, seafarers coming back from a Round, not around the world voyage, but from distant lands, okay, and being greeted at the town hall. However, if 1599 was the year of the conception of Amsterdam, this is really the annunciation image of that conception. This is an image of the return to Amsterdam of the second expedition to the East Indies on July 19, 1599, when four ships whose fate were not known, suddenly showed up in town and brought with them the opening of the wealth of the East Indies. It was a phenomenal moment, and it really set the ball rolling for the rest of this period and set off the possibility for growth that we're going to be looking at. Uh, just as my last point, um, the artist for this had to be imported from Harlem because there were no artists of such stature in Amsterdam at the time. So, thank you.